This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. And just before we start, I just want to premise this by saying that this is a, it's a marketing podcast. It is what it is. And I know there are far more important things going on in the world than marketing. So I am very conscious of that. But that said, it is a marketing podcast, so we have to stay within our lane. And today we're going to talk pretty much about the things that are going on and how brands react to that. So I'm joined by Julie Murray, who is a Strategic Planning Director in JWT Folk in Ireland. Welcome, Julie. Thanks a million. Hi, Dave. Lovely to be chatting to you today. Yes, um, I'm getting used to this remote way of working, so the podcast must go on. And it's actually quite a timely one because you've written an article or or a piece of thought leadership, I think, around a five-point plan around how clients can or should act in these times and actually it's a question that we get asked quite a lot by clients and there's a lot of different answers I've seen a lot of different things but I, just, I think for as a caveat and I've seen quite a few things the industry may be coming across a little bit tone deaf as to what goes on with clients so you know we can talk about that and I think you cover that in some of your plans but I think it's really important that we don't come across as insensitive so it's not necessarily a case of saying to clients that you got to keep spending, you got to keep spending, or even from my side of things saying, there's loads of value in the market, you should be taking because there is loads of value in the market. But I just think it's about getting that balance right, because the sentiment is there's lots of industries that are just stopped and not just kind of slowed down, just flat stopped, completely flatlined. And, you know, what I, what we're finding is that we have to be respectful of clients. Some clients just don't have the headspace to be thinking about how to get it. I think it's just a little bit too soon because it's such a big shock. And we're not quite into recession yet. We're in health epidemic or health pandemic at the moment, which is far more important than economic recession. But, you know, it's life and death for a lot of people. So I think it's yeah. important. But um, as I say, you did, you have a great article around and it's in the Irish Times today about it's a five point plan. So I think that's just a, a great place to start. I think we'll just run through the five points as, as you've listed them and we'll have a chat about them. So uh, the first point that you say is the advice, again, to not necessarily cut your marketing spend. And you've you've written and well documented that this is a, an evidence based approach here or data that you have. So let's Let's kick off there, Julie. Do you want to take us through that one? Yeah, sure. I mean, as you say, this is very much evidence-based, Dave. I recognize it might sound a bit rich coming from strategic planning director in a creative agency to not you know, cut marketing spend. Um, and it is probably the most common question we get asked by our clients at the moment. What exactly should we be doing? You know, we're facing into a recession. Do we pull our advertising? Do we change what we're saying? Do we ramp it up? What exactly should we do? So it was important for me to go back to the facts and make sure that I'm arming clients with the objective fact-based data that they need to invariably have what will be difficult conversations with the finance director Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks and months. Invariably, marketing budgets are going to come under pressure. Um, And what that data invariably tells us is Uh, And there's loads of it, right? I don't want to kind of bore you with the details, but if you go back to the data at all of the previous recessions, you know, back in the 70s and the 90s, most recently in the financial crash there of 2008, look at other kind of crises, situations like the SARS outbreak back in 2003, all of the data from that time, whether it's McGraw-Hill, the IPA, Cantor Millward Brown, whatever it is that you look at, all concludes two kind of core points. The first point is, Brands that continue to invest in share of voice will grow. Those that do not, those that cut advertising spend will shrink, right? And as a Mm -hmm. general rule of thumb, the easiest way to look at it is if your share of voice exceeds your market share, Mm -hmm. you will actually go on to to grow further than that and vice versa. The opposite of that is true. Um, There's examples of that over, of genuine and practical examples of that over time. Like if you go back to the 70s, look at the car industry over in the US. Toyota is a really good example of that. They maintained their spend. They came 
coming through on the other side to overtake Volkswagen as the most popular imported car brand over there at the time. If you look at it kind of transcends industry at this point. If you look at the what happened in with McDonald's back in the 1990s, mm-hmm. McDonald's I think, probably really learned from this one. Um, McDonald's had their lunch eaten by Taco Bell mm-hmm. and, and Pizza Hut um, because they really slashed their marketing spend and, and the other brands didn't. And the, the other second real point that the empirical evidence points to here is that the decision to cut marketing spend, the impact that that has on your business doesn't just stop when you reinstate marketing spend the far side of the crisis. The impact actually lasts much, much longer than that. So Cantor, Millward, Brown have evidence to show that uh, brands that cut marketing spend for kind of a year will take them five years to get sales back to the level that they were at. So, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of data around this. After the financial mm-hmm. crash in 2008, uh, the Brand Z data shows that it ta- took brands that continue to invest recovered nine times faster than those that didn't. So there's tons of evidence mm-hmm. to show that it is important to maintain that level of spend. Yeah. And I, and I think back to the point, as I, said, I, th- I think at the moment, we, we may be quite not in that phase of where we got to advertise our way through the recession yet. I still think we're possibly mm-hmm. in, a, in a period of, you know, let's just take stock because it, as I say, other recessions didn't come with the big societal impact or the global pandemic and, you know, health pandemic that we have at the moment. So I definitely agree with that. But a question that, that came into my mind as I was reading it, the world has changed quite a bit. So previous recessions, I think the world and consumer behaviour was very different. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and throw a question at you. Um, do you oh. think that things that we learned from a different era are still applicable today? So what I mean by that is the world has gone completely short term, even the ad industry, like we did a podcast on this two weeks ago, last week or the week before, about how despite growing amount of evidence on the issue and the importance of long term, the, the clients can't really seem to th- look beyond the short to maybe midterm. So do you think that there was no social media, agile brands weren't a big thing, DTC wasn't as big a thing, the, the, the consumer journey about purchasing products was, was a much more structured consumer journey. Everything is fast, everything is quick, everything is agile these days. So do you think those learnings still apply? The basics, do you think, I know they could well apply, but the basic of don't cut your spend when we're in a recession time because you'll come out stronger. Is that just a universal truth for marketing? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And we've obviously never seen anything like the current crisis, not in our lifetime, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's very valid to challenge whether the learnings from the past still apply. I mean, my view on this, Dave, is... We definitely can learn from the learnings of the past, so long as we view them through the context of the the, the current climate and what's happening right now, and don't mm-hmm. just accept it as gospel and, and amend it accordingly. So if you take, for example, how a lot of brands responded after the 2008 financial crash, mm-hmm. Probably one of the most common moves was to shift from brand building advertising to, as you say, more short term yeah kind of tactical um, advertising at the time. And the reason for that was because brands were trying to generate demand from consumers that were afraid to spend money, right? But the crisis now is obviously very different. Mm. If you look at the demand spectrum, you have brands on the one hand that have literally no demand left for their product. They've had to close their doors. So going out with a load of tactical sales advertising is obviously completely null and void for them. At the other end of the demand spectrum, you have brands that can't keep up with demand, you know, whether it's for bread or hand sanitizer, whatever the case may be. So again, Mm. pushing um, sales, tactical Mm. sales advertising is not appropriate. So while we can learn that we need to maintain advertising spend, and I, I do believe that's a universal because the evidence is so 
so overwhelming and so compelling. We do need to adapt it for the current crisis. And right now, that would mean kind of taking action rather than just talking. That's really going to be Mm. really important Mm -hmm. um, in in the current climate and definitely focusing more on brand communication because that's got to set brands up into the recovery period we know is coming. And I'll just to, to run through, because as I say, it's a, it's a really interesting article and I'd urge people to read it. So you talk about the second principle, which is about abandoning our, our linear planning cycles. Um, I think it's a really interesting point because the rules, while some things will always be true, the rules that we're operating in, the rules of engagement at the moment are very, very different. So can you just expand on that? Yeah, sure. You know, I've worked client side most of my career. It's it's kind of a, a latter move of my career to move agency side. And the one thing I've observed over the years is that the planning cycle for most big brands tends to be quite linear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, planning will kick off late summer, it will look at, you know, for the for the next calendar year, it will look at the performance over the last 12 months. There can be an element of rinse and repeat about it as seasonal cycles tend not to change that much. And, and quite frankly, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to the right approach for the crisis that we now find ourselves in. So really what I'm saying here is throw that out the window. That mm-hmm. kind of linear approach to planning no longer applies. We should definitely be looking at scenario planning Um, We do know there's a recession coming. We also know there's a recovery coming. But the known unknowns are we don't know when. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know the full impact of it from a consumer perspective, from a commercial perspective. So we need to start scenario planning for the different trajectories Mm. they come. Um, And and that's really the the point I'm landing there. Yeah, I totally agree with that because it is like, and it's not a bad thing because clients have stopped spending. So people have a little bit more capacity. Certain people, not everybody, people in our business are completely flat out this is just mad but in time as this goes on the cancelling and the the scenario planning will have stopped and you know we'll just people will have a bit more time and I think that applies to every business so trying to scenario plan now what happens if like you know there's huge implications on if you cancel your your performance spend now because that machine keeps learning so if you pause that for six weeks and you turn it back on it takes a while for it to get back up to its optimal performance digital media so we're talking to clients about our teams are thinking about well how do we actually plan to to get ourselves back up to where we were in terms of the optimum performance of all our campaigns the machine has to start learning again and you need data if you turn it off for three months and turn it back on you have a long period of kind of relearning of how to do it so and I think it's really good and it's a good positive angle to say think about what how companies whether you're an agency whether you're a client what you can be doing now to model different scenarios and look like well it's back to recession. Is it a V? Is it a U? I think at the moment, like the deep sleep that we're in, it's the uncertainty, right? If we knew it was going to, people were going to be back out and pubs and clubs and restaurants were going to be open in shops in May, we could start planning for that. If we knew it was June, we could start planning for that. It's just a not knowing, but it will return. But I think it's a really good point about abandoning what we know to be a linear planning cycle. So I totally agree with that. The next one, which I, I think we'll probably have a discussion on because it's kind of a nuances in the detail here. So you talk about the importance of adapting messaging. You want to kick off on that one and we see where we get to? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the point here in adapting messaging is to make sure that as a brand, you're remaining really sensitive and really on top of of how consumers are are feeling right now and what's actually going on in their day-to-day lives and that you don't just bulldoze ahead with Mm -hmm. the messaging you've possibly been using very effectively up until this point. Like a lot of brands would favour very aspirational, positive kind of messaging, Mm. which is going to fall fairly flat now with consumers who are completely preoccupied with corona anxiety and concerned about their own livelihoods and and loved ones who are are maybe cocooning or whatever the case 
be. So I, I think the message here is definitely, you know, set to be sensitive to and to be really, really close to what consumers are, are saying and feeling. So, for example, as an agency to support our clients, we've put a lot of time into investing in real time insights from yeah. Uh, how consumers are feeling, whether that's mobile ethnography, social listening, WhatsApp diaries and so on, to inform what that mm-hmm. adaptation of messaging might be. And if you think of it, in in my mind, there's three layers to it, Dave. So it starts off with the consumer. Obviously, what is the consumer feeling, thinking? Yeah. How is current climate, you know, actually impacting them? The second one is relevance. So what can the brand do to be of relevance right now, both in the crisis period and as we move into recovery and indeed the new normal that will follow? after that and then finally differentiation what Mm. are competitors doing how can we differentiate across that and it's to make sure we don't become opportunistic in any way so Mm, there's been examples of brands had to take kind of knee-jerk reactions and remove advertising for that reason um you're probably familiar with the kfc ad of Mm -hmm. finger licking there was the complaints, you know, about how inappropriate that was amidst the importance of greater hand hygiene and so on. Coors had an ad, actually, they were just about to come out with around kind of playing on the fact that they were the beer of working from home and they Mm. were kind of to take them in yeah. and say working from home is just an excuse for a go to watch us project and obviously that that was going to fall really really flat in yeah. the current environment so certainly some brands have have taken a very very quick response action to remove advertising but more successful are the ones who've just adapted mm. their message to reflect the current climate I, I think you're right and i think a couple of brands jumped in probably too quickly but i think some brands have really stepped up and they've done some brilliant things like you know if you look at retailers dones what they've done i think is really good you talk about them on post have done a great job there and i think the role for brands is well there's certain things that you can just advertise anyway like electricity suppliers like there's no problem with energy or, or you know something like them advertising because people are home they're consuming a lot more energy um, sure. it's just not trying to be opportunistic or not trying to jump on things it's funny because one of the things that we talked about people who communicated early on I found these a note from our CEO emails were coming in quite a lot and the, the first few I said oh, that's really that's really good I really like that email this company cares quite a lot and then what I started to see more of was a note from our CEO and blah blah, blah we hope your family are okay oh by the way we're having discounts on leisure wear for when you're working at home and these really thinly veiled sales messages that are you know they don't really care about what's going on I think those things are you know, consumers are going to see through that. I think a lot of brands tried to jump on things. One, I'd love your view on this because I don't know where I stand, but there's a lot of promotional activity that's getting mixed reactions, um, particularly on social. So Coca-Cola, Kappa, McDonald's, Audi, Volkswagen, they all changed their logos because in, in different ways, their logos are, you know, in Kappa's case, it's two people sitting back to back. Audi, the, the, the rings are joined. And what they've all done is they've all changed their logos to promote social distancing. One part of me could say, well, you're just being opportunistic. You're trying to create a bit of clever marketing that it's just that opportunistic. And then I think, is that fair? Because actually what they're trying to do is they're trying to promote social distancing. They're trying to do a good thing. So what's your view on that? Do you think something like McDonald's did? What's your point of view? In my opinion, I, I, I'm not as allergic to that advertising mm. I think some people are, and I appreciate it can be kind of polarizing. I think that particular example of brands changing the logo, because so many brands did it, I think yeah. it kind of its creative appeal. But as I say, I think if you take McDonald's, for example, I mean, the commercial impact that this crisis has had 
had on McDonald's mm. is obviously we don't have the figures yet, but it, we can imagine the the severity of it. Yeah. They've literally had to close their doors. So I think they have learned from lessons of the past. You know, they had their lunch eaten back in the 90s when they stopped advertising. So I kind of commend the fact that they're trying to stay part of the conversation. They're, mm. It's not opportunistic. Mm. OK, you know, it, it might not be the most original, but at least they're out there trying to maintain a presence in an environment where they can't sell anything, you yeah. know. Yeah, it would be better, of course, if they took action the way the likes of Uncust have done. Yeah, and the, a lot of the criticism, like when you when you read into the criticism, is not really anything to do with the fact that they change the logo. People are saying, well, you know what? If you really want to look after people, why don't you pay your staff when they're closed or keep them on? So, and then you're into like, so then I don't know. That seems like, on the one hand, if they care about people, then they should do that. So they're, all, I guess, look, we could down a rabbit hole of this. But it's a great point because the next thing you talk about, and I really think so, the brands that have done some good communication during this time, it's not that they've done good communications because they're actually doing things so it does what they've done they're advertising some of the things that they're doing but it feels much more like in the public interest as opposed to trying to yeah. just create a campaign that kind of gets a bit of traction during COVID-19 and that's your, your fourth point we talk about the uh, it's really important that brands do something so do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, you know, we've heard a lot in the last number of years about building purpose-led brands and, and brands that, you know, are, are trying to um, deliver positive change and, and mm. social change and, and give back to the local communities in which they operate. And of course, the biggest learning from that long before COVID-19 crisis hit is that the brands that actually benefit from that approach are those that genuinely put their money where their mouths are and take action and do things that will drive positive change. The current climate is no different in, in that sense. Um, definitely the brands that are winning at the moment are those that are staying true to their purpose and actually taking positive action. Like OnPost is definitely emerging as a, a real hero at the moment. Mm. And you can understand why OnPost happens to be a client of ours. Um, mm. But you know they, they are taking fantastic steps. And what yeah. is, I think is really positive with OnPost is it's not just the frontline workers who are obviously making tremendous efforts to mm -hmm. help those in isolation, but the whole organization organization is mobilizing behind it you know the new digital development to enable newspapers to be ordered all all yeah. of that stuff cards being delivered the whole organization is getting behind it and that's in, in the research we've done that's resonating really really strongly mm -hmm. um with clients and there's loads of lovely examples of mm -hmm. that so mm -hmm. i think um facebook ha have done beautiful stuff have you seen the facebook work around basically it's they've got a beautiful spoken word right. poet dramatizing you know uh, how difficult it is and yet the celebrating the fact that remaining connected yeah. in all the unique ways of remaining connected has really landed with people yeah, yeah. and facebook have earned the right to mm. go out with something like that because of the action they're taking as mm. well you yeah. know they've invested millions to support small businesses yeah. transformed their platform into a means for those who need support to be able to ask for it those who can offer support to make themselves available yeah. to give it so so it's those brands i think that are really going to win because they're following up what they're saying with genuine action too yeah and i think it's fair to say like in in marketing circles facebook comes in for a lot of criticism from people and you know and it is good to see them so i mean i hope they do get a bit of positive credit for the stuff they've done here because they don't have yeah. to do it um but and people are very easy to criticize when they do anything wrong so i think it is worth acknowledging and i actually think you know you also mentioned the o'neill's example that's great i think what orti you've done around you know the leadership position around you know, you know create and, and creating a community for people to kind of keep them sane when they're stuck at home i think that's been great and i think other brands are doing stuff that just goes unnoticed so even sky have given away free now tv passes for for kids and things like that so there's quite a lot of content and resources available free 
And I think that's brilliant because you would say now's the time to actually sell more of that stuff because people need it. But at a period of high demand to actually give subscriptions away free is brilliant. And I think the one thing that I hope and that I keep reading on is brands that step up and do things in this climate, you know, they it will be remembered. I hope it is remembered because quite often people forget the bad things are remembered, but the good things that the companies yeah. do. But you got to think that. And it's not just done, a lot of the retailers have done it, that they've done the right thing here. And that, they, you know, I like seeing messages saying that, look, don't worry about the shelves. We'll keep the shelves stocked. Don't panic by good social citizenship. So yeah, and there's just lots of good things going on with companies doing contactless delivery and all. So I do think it's it, there's a lot of positive brands yeah. that come out and, and demonstrated responsibility and leadership, which I think is important. Yeah. The last point that you talk about is all about something that's close to my heart, which is about just get innovative, I think is the way you've articulated. So talk me through that. Ultimately, there's nothing new about innovation and there's nothing new in brands definitely achieving huge growth by being innovative, right? But like in times of recession, it kind of exacerbates the need to start thinking about things differently. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some lovely examples of brands that really leveraged that in the last recession. Amazon is probably the first one that springs to mind, you know, with the development of the Kindle back in 2009, Mm -hmm. sales for you know, online books actually overtook um, sales for physical books for the first time. And that was obviously in the wake of the biggest recession Mm -hmm. that we'd seen in in quite some time. Um, But when it comes to innovation, I I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a new, a whole new product being developed. You know, it, it changes. We've seen lots of lovely innovation out there. If it's restaurants that have had to close their doors that are now delivering and I see them continue to do that afterwards. Uh, my own local gym, indeed, sent out care packages to those of us continuing to pay membership with actual equipment, you know, right. training kettlebells, um, in addition to live streaming the classes, which is, of course, so much more accessible. And they've achieved tremendous loyalty from the existing consumer base. So, yeah, I think the point here is start thinking outside the box. Definitely an incredibly useful tool for brands when they start planning into the recovery phase. Mm. And you know, there's again, there's lots of different opinions on new normal, new normalities, we call it. So, and look, this is so well, I got to caveat this by just saying I know there's loads, of, it's really important, there's loads of things, and loads of bad things happening in the world. But I, I actually think that there's going to be some positives that are going to come out of this at the end of it. I think, like, definitely, definitely in Ireland is brilliant for this. This has brought out a greater sense of community and society and people. We, it has brought people. I, the ironic thing is that when we have to stay apart, it has brought us kind of closer together. People are genuinely looking out for one another. And I think that's that's a really good thing. I also think that we've become a, a head down society. We kind of don't look out. We don't look up at people. We just glue to our phone all the time. And one thing that this has done is really taught us the value of social interaction. And, you know, there's nothing like a scarcity of, of availability for something to really appreciate it. So I think people are really going to, the world will go mad. Once we're allowed back out, everyone will just like, like the end of the school day, we'll throw your books in the air out the door we'd be all out like you know can't wait to get back out but I do think there will be a greater sense of appreciation again you know not so much for for families where you might have kids who are doing GAA every week and ballet and football they have come together it's been a, a hard landing for people so some families are probably sick of the sight of each other at this stage but they are spending quality time together and I'd like to think that some of those behaviours and some of those kind of trends we won't go back to, to the way we used to be and everything we would appreciate we'll have a greater sense of community so do you think that there going to be, there'll be any um, lasting change in terms of any consumer behaviour as a result of this or maybe not long lasting but do you think there's any any potential change? 
Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I find the whole thing fascinating, just mm. anthropologically to kind of think about the lasting impact this may have. Of course, it, it's hard to predict. I'm not an oracle, but I think, uh, I definitely think our, our research has shown a real resurgence of national pride coming through. Mm. I think, you know, we've seen it, we discussed earlier, some of those homegrown Irish brands that are really resonating well, the likes mm-hmm. of Uncrust, the Ortiz, the Erlinguses of the world. And I, I could see a real resurgence and popularity for those brands in the wake of this. I think the role technology plays is going to be really interesting. So, Mm. you know, obviously we live in a very connected world. We all know the benefits that technology can afford. But in the run up to the the corona epidemic, technology nearly got a bad rap that Mm. the amount of time we spend on social media amount of time we're in this always on society that we live in it's increasing mental health problems particularly among our young people but hasn't that been turned on its head now Mm. that all having to work remotely and virtually and we're now really realizing the benefits of being able to stay in touch and being able to stay connected that technology gives us so i think the role technology plays and the post-covid environment will be an interesting one um do we ditch some of the social media obsession for more one-to-one communications and you know do we start to work from home more all of that kind of thing Mm. will be, be interesting i also think what's come through in our research is People are taking the opportunity to really re-evaluate the things that matter to them and values that matter the most. So people spending time with their children, for example, I think we may see people changing working hours Mm. to be able to do more of that. Um, The benefits of working from home, as I say, Mm. uh, from both the employer side and the employee side, I think we we will embrace that more. Um, So, yeah, it'll be, as I say, I'm not an oracle, but it will be interesting to see how those things pan out. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I just on just for a second in terms of your your own organization, your company. How are you guys adjusting to work from home? How's business generally? I like this, I I know myself. Strategy is kind of a weird thing because on the one hand, you're kind of working on campaigns that are coming up in quite a while away, so you don't really have as many quiet periods. But but you know, at the moment, I just think that the planning I'm doing at the moment is more short term scenario planning. How are you getting on? How's what's the sentiment from clients? So, so things are going well. Thankfully, we're a very connected agency anyway and folks. So we were really well positioned to make the transition to working mm. remotely. We actually did a whole trial run weeks before lockdown was implemented. We didn't tell our clients. We wanted mm. to make sure that with 100% of the agency working remotely, could we keep business as usual going strong? Uh, and we did. Clients didn't notice. We were well able to do that. So we're lucky, you know, the way we manage our projects, the way yeah. we communicate internally, we use Slack, we've got you know, online contact management system yeah, called. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very connected anyway. So we were kind of well positioned for that. From a, Specifically from a strategy perspective, we're doing a lot for our clients at the moment, what we call an approach seeing around the COVID corner. So yeah. it's real-time consumer insight. It's looking at exactly how people are thinking and feeling right now. We've got kind of response ideation sessions built into that approach. And of course, scenario planning approaches then for as we get into recovery and the new normal that will follow after that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's been busy. Uh, we're obviously adapting to the virtual way of working. Mm-hmm. It's not physical points on a Friday evening. It's virtual ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. So we're probably spending more time making sure people feel supported and our yeah. clients from yeah. more check-ins than we would previously have done, you know, when obviously you have those face-to-face contacts. Um, and, you know, just adapting business as usual mm. processes like so we would facilitate a lot of workshops no more than yourself on the strategy side so we're now facilitating them using zoom and mm. 
we're taking very modular approaches so that people aren't jaded yeah. being in a virtual environment for more than kind of an hour and a half. So adapting our processes. But other than that, it's it's pretty much BAU, you know. And how do you find the workshop just particularly because that's something I think is tricky because you, you need energy and kind of presence yeah. in the room and, you know, that thing of bouncing ideas off people. How, how are the virtual workshops going? So they're going well. I'd say the, the two things we've learned the most and the quickest is the need for a lot of pre-work. Now, mm -hmm. pre-work is yeah. always a necessary component in any workshop, but it's more critical right. in a virtual scenario so that people are coming fully prepared to be able to contribute. Um, definitely less people is more. You know, mm. no one has any business inviting 30 people to a virtual workshop. No. That is it's absolute madness. Yep. So definitely only to have the people in the room who are needed to contribute and, and who can make decisions to progress things. And as I say, that modular approach we found has worked really okay, well. Yeah. So making sure people are only together for no more than an hour and a half and, mm. and put the gaps in between. It's certainly a new way of working, yeah, Dave. It sure is. Haven't done it before, but uh, it has worked very well. The ones we facilitated to date. And yeah, we have a good methodology now to mm. take forward. Great. Well, Julie, it's been great. Thanks for joining me. And I'd urge listeners to check out uh, Julie's article in the Irish Times today. It's well worth a read. So, Julie, stay safe. I hope everyone, you know, friends and colleagues are all safe. So stay safe and thanks a million for joining me. Thank you. Thanks great. for having me. No problem. And thanks to our partners at the Irish Times Media Solutions and thanks to Andrea and Kira on sound. Thanks until two weeks time. We'll be back. Cheers. Bye bye. This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.